awesome. Well, it's good to be in the second service as there is a double portion of worship that we get to savor and linger in. Um, just want to honor Pastor Mike and Corinne here. Uh, if there's any other guests in the room, uh, maybe it's your first week back. Uh, out of the last two weeks, it's so good to have you back. Um, it's still a little bit funky, if we're being honest. Like, we're like, do we sing open mouth or through our nose or do we aim down or am I socially distanced enough? And you know what? We, we have to accept what it is at the moment. Um, but eventually believing that there'll be a time where we can lay hands on again and, uh, and we can just worship rubbing shoulders and, and, and the person that usually spits in worship, they can sit a bit closer to you. Um, that time will come. But all jokes aside, uh, just being very transparent, uh, the climate is changing um, as we've seen in Australia. Uh, the reality is as Melbourne's in lockdown and we're praying for them, Sydney's now undergoing restrictions. Um, I say all that to say we are taking it week by week uh, as a church, I know other church communities haven't actually come back and won't be coming back till September. Some are even saying October. Some are even saying, hey, we're going to stream until the end of the year, till this thing is finally passed. Uh, we spoke as a board uh, this week around uh, this notion, and, and you are mature enough. Um, you are here because uh, you used your wisdom to decide that, hey, I will come out. And I would just say to uh, anyone that fits in the at-risk age group, which is pretty much everything, uh, and there's a few super spreaders in the back of the room um, that, that just, just use wisdom around what we do. Um, hey, it's sometimes uncomfortable when you go to shake hands. We almost need to have a blanket rule, no shaking hands, just so no one feels uncomfortable. Uh, but as the seasons are changing, I just thank you for your grace and your patience as we adapt. Once again, I just want to honor the worship team and the AV team and the host team. These guys were all here at like 7 o'clock this morning uh, when I rocked up a little bit late. And uh, thank you so much for doing what you do. The muesli bars we bought you at halftime were well worth their money in Jesus' name. Hey, uh, why don't we pray? Is that a good idea? Awesome, you're here. Father, this morning I thank you. I uh, thank you that you're here. Your presence is the sustaining factor of what helps us to go into our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Lord, over this weekend from Friday's revival night, uh, to prayer meetings that happen throughout the week and the weekend until uh, this opportunity to worship together. I just thank you, Lord, that you created such a place as the church community gathering together. Lord, we've spoken so much about how we are the church, uh, socially distant, but Lord, I thank you that you created buildings. I thank you that you gave us a place and a space where we could come and we could exercise uh, our faith and sing praises unto you corporately and together. And this morning, God, I just thank you that all glory goes to your name. Lord, as I preach and as I speak, I pray that, Lord, lives would be transformed. There would be a continuation of worship right through this message, Lord, that people would leave here in some way, shape, or form, change. Their faith will have grown in maybe even just the littlest bit to a whole heap. God, this morning, I give you all the glory. We just honor you and we love you. Amen. Amen, amen. If you can turn my fallback up a little bit this week, that would be great. Thank you, guys. Uh, so you guys are good. Everyone's happy, living the dream. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. Uh, if you are, I'm just going to preach before I get off track. That day when evening came, this narrative that we're looking at is Jesus 
uh, and his disciples, uh, if you weren't here last week, they're crossing over to the other side. We're about to read it. Jesus and his disciples, they, they have been teaching. Jesus has just spent a lengthy amount of time injecting faith through the word into the disciples. And then they get onto this little boat. The scripture we're about to read will tell us about Jesus in a place. They faced a storm and then they arrived at the other side. We're preaching in the series at the moment entitled The Other Side. Uh, it's depictive of a, a lifestyle, a, a journey, a, a community, maybe a planet transitioning from one place to another place. And I love this scripture because it actually depicts many different facets of what it is to uh, transition from one location to another. And, and we can draw uh, narratives and points and examples out of that exactly like we're going to do this morning that will help us to be more fruitful when we arrive at the other side. So we're reading here. From Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the day when evening had come, he said to his disciples, Jesus speaking, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Jesus is enough for you. I just need to tell someone that right now, that Jesus is enough for you. Regardless of your problem, regardless of your storm, regardless of your condition, regardless of your prognosis and your diagnosis, regardless of your, what, what the news said to you this morning and the news is going to say to you tonight, regardless of the rugby league score, I was annoyed that rugby league was coming back early. Now I'm thanking God for rugby league. But regardless of whatever your situation is, I want to tell you that Jesus is enough for you. Someone just needs to hear that one more time. Jesus is enough for you. So Jesus was on the boat, and he was just as he was because he was enough. And there were all so other little boats with them. A furious squall or a storm came up, and the waves broke over the side of the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern or the rear of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus, or the disciples, excuse me, woke him up, and they said to him, Teacher, or Rabbi, don't you care that we're about to drown? He got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet and be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Let me say that again. Jesus got up and he rebuked the waves. Jesus rebuked the storm and there was complete calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? I want to preach a message this morning under the banner, which is slightly changed from my uh, posture of last week. Last week we spoke of the setting out, the, the initiation, the, the beginning, which really can be described by uh, rest, the calmness. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. That could be found anywhere in the narrative because Jesus always came out of a place of rest. But the truth is, the middle part that I want to talk to you about today comes under the banner of what I was going to call calm by peace is actually entitled calm by faith. See, as I was praying about this, even into the wee hours of the morning, the Lord spoke to me and, uh, and he said to me in my own relational way of God speaking to me, Justin, peace is a derivative of the fruit of the Spirit, but you'll never live a lifestyle of peace unless you have faith in the Spirit of God that lives within you. Let's just keep moving along. In crossing over to the other side, anything in life, and in part of the journey, we all face storms. Has anyone in this room not ever faced a storm in life? That's right. In a room this size, I would be right to say there were probably storms of health. It's probably parents in this room praying for your astray children. 
There's probably children that once upon a time were astray in this room that are now praying for your parents that have lost the plot. Uh, that was kind of a joke, but also serious at the same time. I'm waking you up. That 8.30 was alive. Uh, storms are going on. Grief is going on. Some of us are facing, facing financial storms. The reality is that storms have always been there and they always will. But we can learn some keys from the lifestyle of Jesus and the narratives that come to us, the pictures, the stories that come through the Bible and what it is to live an overcoming lifestyle. The point is that there is something better for us on the other side, but we should learn and live from the lessons that we learn in the middle of the storm. Amen? I just want to encourage a few people in this room right now. Maybe step out of this frame of the normal picture of church and preaching just for just a moment. And we'll jump back into the scripture. But when I looked through and I thought about what some great examples of people, organizations, situations where there has been a storm, but there's actually been a catastrophic, catastrophic growth that has come on the tailwind of a storm. And these people came to mind. Here's the deal. Disruption is only a threat or a storm is only a threat to you when you're established. Established defined as you're stuck, you're set in your ways, or you're comfortable. So let me say that to you again. Disruption is only a threat to the established people or organizations that aren't willing to move and grow with the storm that's coming your way. Again, disruptions or storms, they've always existed, but disruptions or storms of recent times that have changed, check out the back wall with me. All of these people, organizations, businesses in their own right, were derived, were built off the back of facing a disruption that came their way. I don't have time to break it all down, and I know some people will think different things about them, but the reality is they are all very, very successful companies that were derived, built, or expanded upon a disruption that once upon a time came to their door. If you were to look at Say Airbnb, for example, it came from a group of people who, who discovered and there was a tension and a disruption to their holiday booking and they decided to create Airbnb. And now Airbnb, excuse my non-articulated facts, but I believe it was they now receive $110 million a year. Because they decided to go with a disruption or a storm, they've now built something that serves the planet and they're getting very wealthy from it. If you were to compare that with the Hilton Hotel that brings in $30 million a year, it paints a picture of what it is to move or just stay with the disruption. You can pull that slide down now. I could say it to you like this. Henry Ford, he, he created the first motor vehicle. Not only did he create the first motor vehicle, he created one of the first assembly lines for motor vehicles because there were no motor vehicles before this. Henry Ford created the first affordable motor vehicle as well. And because he created the first motor vehicle, it forced the United States government to have to build highways and roads across the country because it was so popular. See, Henry Ford was faced with the circumstance of a storm or a disruption in his life. He realized something that was going on, that the horse and the cart couldn't expand fast enough and large enough, and there was no way to transition, if he just wanted to fix the problem, they would have bred a double-headed horse or a horse with eight legs. But he decided to take the storm and the disruption that was facing him and turn it into something that now everyone in this planet, well, at least of license age, has a motor vehicle. 
I say all that to say, jumping back into this frame for anyone who's annoyed that I spoke about these people, I want to ask you what your future could look like from a faith-injected perspective if it was exercised in the current storm that you're facing. Right now, the storm of mental health, the storm of your kids are astray, right now, the storm of health issues, and I know I'm speaking to narratives in this room, people's stories in this room where you'd say, hey, pastor, you don't actually know what I'm going through. Oh, no, I'd say I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the storms that are going on in this room. And I've seen a lot of the testimonies of people that have come out of the storms uh, that now not only have their lives changed and transformed, but there's a testimony that's going forth that's shaking this planet. And we read about it. The Bible is full of them. So moving on today, I found the truth is that God releases his assistance when you're walking in correspondence with his assignment. His presence, assistance, or assistance is usually obvious once we walk through a storm kind of unfair in a way that most of the time we realize the reality of God in our circumstance, in our frame, in our situation, when we've actually gone through the storm. And it's at the point of realization that we turn around and we say, God, where were you in that? And like the poem of Footprint says, God's soft, small voice says, I carried you through that. You weren't alone in that situation. So I want to speak to you today. I just, I just want to inject a little bit of faith in you this morning. Here's the deal, faith is not a lever that we pull to make the circumstance, the storm or the situation stop. It's actually a lens that we look through to illuminate the already presence of Jesus in our lives. If we were to look at this scripture, Jesus crossing to the other side, the narrative of the storm, he's asleep on the boat. It's interesting the perspectives that are put across. Uh, the, the, the ways that we can look at it. One wrote, wrote this. It's interesting to note that the words of Jesus used to address the wind and the waves are exactly the same as he used to address the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 1, verse 25. The same writer went on to say that in Palestine, in this day and age, as Jesus was crossing to the other side, amongst the people, it was a common knowledge and belief that the same demonic presence that was in demon-possessed people was in nature, I say that to you today to say this, your faith in Jesus Christ, the presence of God in you, can illustrate and demonstrate and take you through all different kinds of storms. It's not just for a storm of health. It's not just for a storm of, of my business is collapsing. It's not just for a storm. No, no, no. Jesus should be the first port of call, the understanding that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That very knowledge, that awareness, it's called faith, and that should take you through the storm that you're in. Now, more often than not, in life, there are storms that we just consistently have to fight, and that's a reality. But Christ hung on the cross to enable every one of us to walk in intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit so that we're never fighting alone. I need to remind someone of that this morning. Another writer wrote this, we do far less for this story in giving it justice to merely take it in its literalistic sense. If it describes no more than a physical miracle in which the storm is actually stilled, it's still a very wonderful thing and it's something that which must be marveled. But the same writer wrote this, writer wrote this, but if we read it in symbolic sense for which it is actually written, it is far more valuable. When the disciples realized that the presence of Jesus was with them in the storm, it became calm. 
once they knew that he was there, fearless peace entered their hearts. The voyage with Jesus is a voyage to peace, even in the storms of life. I want to give you three quick thoughts, and then we're going to finish up this morning. The first is this, and I think I need to get through the first thought to get to the second two to bring an emphasis to them. The first thought, it might sound very simple, but as profound as we have him. I just need to remind you that you have him. You have the presence of God. You have the presence of Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that alert, that descended upon him as the Father's voice said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The same Holy Spirit that gave him the, the anointing, the authority, and the power uh, to, to go through 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, the same Spirit that brought Christ out of that place uh, to stand face on with the devil and speak with anointing and authority, the Word of God versus the, the accusation the storm that was coming against him, you have that spirit of God within you. Jesus said this, he said, peace I leave with you. He said, my peace I give to you. He says, I do not give it to you as the world gives. Thank God, thank the Lord that he doesn't give us something that's found in common nature. See, God deals in the supernatural. God deals in creating planets and earths and and human beings, God is a God of intimacy at the same time. He says, the peace that I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he said this, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I say all that to say this to you. The scripture says in Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We often miss this part, for by it, elders obtained a good testimony. So my first point, we have him. You can only release that which you're aware of. As we walk through the storms of life, we have to understand who it is that's with us. When we pray for people, when we prophesy, when we declare over our situations, when we become aware of a storm that's coming at us, we have to know who it is that's with us. You can only release into that storm, into that circumstance, what you're aware of. So on one hand, I could ask the question of, what are you more aware of? Are you more aware of the doctor's report? Are you more aware of a theology? Or are you more aware of the intimacy, the person of the Holy Spirit? Because what you're more aware of will come out first. And what you're more aware of will actually set up the pathway through the storm that you're about to overcome. And I want to tell you that you're overcomers. Because in Christ, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. How do I illustrate this? I thought about this in between services. I have shared from this platform many times my testimony. I was a rascal, we all know it. A little bit naughty, it took for someone else who was even naughtier to help fix myself. But if we were to backtrack a little bit to give more glory to the circumstance of the fact that I'm standing on the stage today and I'm alive and I'm somewhat in my normal frame of sound mind, it's actually not my testimony to share. See, a long time before I ever stood on the stage, before I ever entered to transformations, even actually when I was being arrested at the airport, there was someone called Mum. And see, Mum knew who was in her, her. My mum knew that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, she knew what the Word of God said. So when the police said, nope, he's going to jail, when the police said they're deporting, when, when, when the doctors said, no, he's got ADHD, when, when someone said this, when they put him on a plane to go overseas, this, 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 this wayward son, I'm putting myself in the third person context, this wayward son, 
What my mum did was say, okay, I hear your report. And what I remember is she made a decision to go to the beach. I remember Cockle Bay Beach. And as she went to the beach, it's interesting. Watch who turns up in your storms. It's important. As she's at the beach, another couple who used to be my teacher at school, I'm amazed that he went, but they started to pray for me. And she had a word for the son that was wayward and abandoned that he was going to stand in front of hundreds of people and preach the gospel. But my mum could have stayed at home and believed the report of what the community was saying. And the reality was that was true. But my mum chose to exhort who was in her and step away. And even the fact that she had to go down to a beach to get away from all of the noise depicts faith. Let me say this again to you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it, elders obtain a good testimony. I want to ask you, when was the last time that you saw through faith, not necessarily knowing the outcome, but you had evidence that God would come through if you put your faith into that situation? When was the last time God did that? And let me take it one step further. When was the last time you celebrated him for what he did and the last time you faced a storm? Because I want to tell you, it's going to rejuvenate, it's going to energize, it's going to give you a strength and awareness that you are not alone. And it's going to help you to overcome the next storm. See an understanding that he is with us into our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We often need inspiration to actually see what does this look like outworked. Because for some people in this room, you're actually the opposite. You're like, hey, I'm healthy as. I've got a six-pack and big biceps and I've got no prognosis. Hey, I've got no mum and dad issues. My mum and dad have got no issues with me. I'm at uni. It's all good. Whatever the case may be, I don't want to isolate any particular person with abs in this room. I'm very jealous. (laughs) But often we need examples to see how we can live this spirit-filled life. Because then that gives us an encouragement to overcome the storms that we're facing. The person that I love to look to always in the Bible is David. See, here's the reason why I love to look at David. David is a man that was a worshiper. He was a man after God's own heart. Something interesting happened. David was the kid that was out in the field. When everyone presented themselves before the prophet Samuel, and even Samuel was rebuked for thinking that what he saw in the natural was the way it should be, where God said, I don't look at things in the natural, I look at the heart of a circumstance. What David did in that scenario was he came in just as he was from the field. God saw David and his lifestyle in the field, which got him a promotion to the palace. And it's interesting that if you think about David's lifestyle, he's very much like us. See, we didn't meet Jesus in flesh and blood. We weren't on the boat with Jesus. In fact, we probably only know a portion of the miracles that Jesus did. But if you've called on the name of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living within you. You have Him in you. And David was very much like that. Although he didn't choose it, God chose him. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, when Jesse had come, that he saw him and God said, that is the one I want you to anoint and appoint. As he anointed and appointed him, pouring oil over him, the scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him in strength from that day forward. See, David was walking in a lifestyle and a relationship of intimacy with God that you and I have the same opportunity to walk in. David was, yes, he was chosen by God, but so was everyone in this room. 
I'm feeling the anointing right now. God is saying to some people in this room, stop minimizing and stop putting yourself in the undercurrent of, hey, I'm just another person on this planet. No, you are a son and a daughter of God. You are chosen. You're of a royal, holy priesthood. You've been grafted in to the line and the lineage of the kingdom of God. Lost my place. I kind of feel like singing in tongues, but I won't because I'll get rebuked when I get home. <laughs> My wife's like, please keep going, please keep going. No, stop it. <laughs> You're so naughty. See, you are the naughty kids that your parents are praying for. I knew I'd get a rise out of you. See, the truth is I love to look at David because David gives us an example of what it is to live a lifestyle of may me not necessarily having the tangibleness of Jesus to just call on at your beckoning call in the sense of flesh and blood here. But he was a worshiper. He had a lifestyle of even with Nathan, he would call on Nathan, hey, tell me what God thinks about this. He's the same as us. And I love the scripture because it actually gives us examples of what it is and ways that we can conduct ourselves as spirit-filled sons and daughters of God that are transitioning to the other side of this thing that we're living in called life. The first or second point that I have for you looking at the life of David is called turn away. I'm going to encourage you in a second, but first I feel like this is a precautionary step for someone going into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. The scripture says in 1 Samuel 17 verse 28 to 30, we're getting back on track, when Eliab, the oldest brother, the one that Samuel thought was like Saul, he was tall, six pack, he probably had a 12 pack, abs, muscles, all the rest. And God rebuked him and said, no, 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 I look at the heart, remember? We just said it a few minutes ago. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger against him. And he asked David, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came only to watch this battle. If we were to put this in a lens, we would see David with the call of God on his life. And we know the end state of this story, but understanding that David needed to overcome the storm of Goliath that would take him again to the palace. But there were many other storms that would come, but this was just a testing ground of Goliath to graduate David to the next level, which one was called obedience, two was called dependency on the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think something in the natural needed to take place so the other people saw that God had his hand on his life as well. But then when I think about David... Even before he got to a place of facing Goliath, the people that he thought were closest to him and that David knew David intimately were actually speaking to David in a way that could have caused him to be derailed from his future. The scripture goes on and it says this, David's response to his brother. And David said, what have I done now? In other words, David stopped and paused in that moment. He became aware of the the frame or the tone that was coming repeatedly and regularly from Eliab. And he responded, what have I done now? And then, I love this, he said, is this not a cause or is there not a cause? In other words, David was there for the cause to vindicate and fight for his community because they represented the kingdom of God in the context of they were God's chosen people and something was coming against them. And it says here, David did something interesting. This is something I can practice tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. It says he then turned away. 
You need to someone, tell someone today, you just need to turn away. There's a voice, there's a fragrance, there's a conversation, there's a media, there's a social media. Uh, there is something that's coming and speaking into your world right now that is actually causing a distraction from the actual battle and the storm which God wants to take you because he wants to take you to the other side. See, God's always trying to get us to promotion, yet we always, and more often than not, speak for myself, maybe not you, but I get tripped over in the little mundane more often than not because I forgot the victory that God just brought me through. But now that I become aware of that, it enables me to, oh, Eliab's here. Yeah, I hear what you say. No, I'm going to turn over this way. Sorry, what did you say that, that, that the king's going to give that person? I'm going to get a wife. I'm going to have babies. I'm going to do some things I've never done before. I know some of your imaginations are going wild right now. My thought for you this morning is some people are facing a storm. See, here's the deal. Not all storms are the devil. Not all storms are the devil. Your body might be out of shape. Maybe you're just stressed out because you haven't rested. See, where we give the devil credit for something he has not done or has nothing to do, we take something that he has no say in or say over or part in and we open the door by crediting it to his team. And the moment that you credit something to the devil's team, you've actually given him permission to come in and then influence that situation even further and deeper. So I need to tell someone this morning, there's something in the natural that's going on that you need to turn away from and turn to the healthy source. You know, more often than not, when you're turning away from a negative voice, when you're turning away from a, a, a negative situation, you'll often be ostracized as not part of the crowd, not part of the community, not part of the society. But we were never meant to be. Although we're in the world, we are not of the world. But his ways are higher than our ways. God doesn't work in earthly dimensional rules and reigns. Someone's asking, okay, how do I know if it's the devil or it's not? I love this thought that I heard the other day. Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Peter, I believe, speaking from experience, says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. How do I know if the devil's working in my life? It, it's a roaring lion. It's louder than anything else. It's brighter than anything else. It's something that, that, that is more serious. You'll know it because it's loud. It's, and I want to say this to someone. When you know that the devil's working in your life, make sure you have the right people around you. You don't want the Eliabs. You don't want the, uh, I was going to say the Abinadabs, but he obviously didn't ridicule them at this particular point. The devil will always be loud. The answer is the same as it always has been. Resist the devil and he will flee. I need to tell someone tonight, to this morning, right now, that it's not over yet as the worship team comes back and joins me. I don't know if you heard me, but someone needs to hear that it's not over yet. Pastor Steve, it's not over yet. Anyone else in this room, it's not over yet. God still has a plan. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are bigger than our thoughts, that he wants to take you to a level of place and a platform of promotion. He wants to get you to the other side, but he also wants to teach us something in this thing that we realize is called a storm. The way that we go through this storm, I believe, sets up the foundation and the platform for the next one that comes our way. You know, I turned to my wife, just, we're a family, and I said, wow, I'm just so excited, like, this is, 
the last Sunday before we take possession of our house on Tuesday. And there's been, there's been tension because it's like, do we celebrate? Do we Instagram? Do we promote that we bought a house during coronavirus? This is a reality because other people are losing their houses and losing their jobs and losing everything. The reality is we've been just fighting this battle, this storm, this, this journey for the last three years. But it's interesting that although we are pastors, I believe with Levites, we, we just laid it down to serve God. Essentially, he plucked me out of a place of darkness and just put me side, beside someone that was bright, which is beautiful also. Now I look at God's goodness invading our natural circumstances and it's easy to worship in this moment. But I want to tell you, there was probably about 300 Sundays where we came in, we were demoralized, we felt defeated, we felt discouraged. And even to stand on this stage, it needed to come from here. It needed to come from a place of understanding that's who's with you. Even five, six weeks ago, I was transparent last week. It was really hard to get here and, and to speak because my mind was saying crazy things. My body was trying to conduct my mind in different ways. And I'm realizing for the first time what anxiety is, what stress is. It had to come from here. It had to come from here. See, what I needed to do in that circumstance, and we did so many times in the negative reports that came against our house, and even this morning we can celebrate because we're on the other side, but I know the other side is only a level of promotion because God wants to take us into bigger things and, and believe for bigger things and dream for bigger things, and what God can do in our natural circumstances, he, he wants to do in this ministry, He wants to do in this church, He wants to grow us, He wants to expand us, He has far bigger, and I'm just getting so excited right now, he, He's got something, my third point for you this morning is secret storms give faith to slay public giants. See, David, we would know this story if, even if you're a young person in this room. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, moreover, David said as he was talking to King Saul, he's, he, he's turned aside, he's got away from Eliab who would have diverted his course towards the giant. It's interesting, you're like, why does he want to walk at the giant? Because he knew he could overcome the giant because he was aware of who was in him. So as he walked aware of who was in him to overcome the giant, he then had the king come to him. And the king's like, how are you going to do this? You're just a boy. Goliath's chanting, hey, whoever defeats me, will it qualify us to come and serve you forever? But if I defeat the person that you bring out in front of me, that means that you come and serve us forever. Saul was right in his way of doing a Q&A with David. What's your qualification? Who have you fought? What's your weapon of choice? Da-da-da-da-da-da. David said, no, 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 here's my experience. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go on, the Lord be with you. What David did in the secret, the storm that he faced in the field, qualified him to take on the giant in public. Let me read this again for you. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. You know, I believe there are testimonies in this room that are far more extravagant than anything I've ever shared. 
can I challenge you to derive it? Can I challenge you to scratch the surface again? Can I challenge you to shake the box or the jar or the, the bag or maybe just the thought life, get back with a pen and paper and start writing about the time that God came through here and God came through here and God came through here. And, and see, sometimes our, our storm will seem like we're on roundabout mode because we're actually not living in a, of a place of recollection of what God has already done. When sometimes maybe it's a pastor who has to stand on a stage that tells you to get your pen and paper out, to start writing down the testimony of what he has done for you before because he wants to do it again in your life. And with the moment that you start to write, faith begins to build and you start to become aware of him. See, I was going to call this peace calms the storm, but the truth is that peace doesn't calm the storm. Peace is an overflow of the faith that calms the storm. See, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, characteristics of the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I can only come out of a place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control in the kingdom sense if I'm exhibiting faith to look through the lens of what God and who God is in me. And the moment that you start to look at the testimony of what God has done for you before, even if it's so small, the size of a mustard seed, it can grow into something huge. God wants to take you to the other side. Storms of addiction, the sleepless nights, the monks of anxiety. (laughs) I laughed at the devil last night. Claire, I love you. I want to preach over here to Claire. Claire, do you know I laughed? Where are you? There you are. Do you know I laughed at the devil last night? Last week, I came and preached with three hours sleep. I went to bed at 8.30 thinking it's the first Sunday back. Oh, this is kind of cool. With the the, the first Sunday back, I thought I've got to get heaps of sleep. I've got to be energetic. I've got to smile. I've probably got to shake. And at 1.30 in the morning, and Chrissy's like snoring. She's in heaven. I'm getting angry and I'm like frustrated. And then when I woke up at 5 a.m. after three hours sleep to come and preach two sermons and smile and be good, lucky we're not laying hands on people yet. But I was struggling. So last night, that was an amazing place. Last night at 12.30, after the same cycle, I laughed at the devil and said, you're a liar and started to worship. I said a few frustrating things, but then I realized that the testimony of what God did last week, he only wants to do this week. And if I resist the devil in this moment here, then the next time and the next time and the next time, friend, I want to tell you today, I know I'm just exhorting something God has done in my life, but what he's done in my life, he can do in your life. What he's done in my mum's prayer life and he's intervened, he can actually do in yours. Your son, your daughter, your wayward mum and dad, your cousin, your auntie, whoever's sick, I want to tell you that faith the size of a mustard seed will move a mountain. Can't be fickle though. Those who are lukewarm, the scripture says, I'll spit out my mouth. But he's a gracious God and he'll allow you sometimes to stay on that roundabout until you get it. The sooner we can get on to meat, transition from just drinking from the bottle in the context of our faith. I just feel a sense of urgency from God to encourage people to get into the Word of God. Like I said last week, I love listening to preachers. I love Furtick. I love Bill Johnson. I love all of this crew. I love their worship teams, which is where I spend most of their time on YouTube. But unless you have a foundation of the Word of God, when you face storms that come your way, 
you're going to be dependent on someone else's, the next podcast, the next testimony, I'm going to switch to this. And sometimes you need the external voice. But just make sure you're turning away from the negative influence. And a good testing point is, is the voice speaking into my world causing me to become more aware of the presence and the intimacy of who He is and the desire that He has to walk closer and more intimate? I've got to finish it. What's more in front of you right now in the context of a storm? You say it like this. What's small compared to your future is only because it's close up right now. It's funny, I heard him speaking of preachers. Imagine this is a phone or something. And right out there, the, the horizon line, it speaks to the future, the plan, the other side. More often than not, storms actually become like this. They're only small and they're insignificant, but because they're so close and we're so aware of them, they actually block what's on the other side. What I sense God saying to us today is recognize the significance and the smallness of the current storm you're facing. And the way that you recognize, overcome, diagnose, and smash that storm out of the way is by realizing how big your God is. Some of us need to turn away. Some of us need to be more aware of Him in us. Some of us also need to remind ourselves that the secret storm that we've overcome just recently is going to lead us to a place where we're going to slay giants publicly. Would you stand with me this morning? Come on, why don't you just raise your hands over this place if you're able. Sadie, come on, why don't we just, just, just lead into a moment right now. Come on, worship team, just from that big point. God, we worship you in this moment. authority. Everyone in this room, you have authority. someone in this room right now just at the bank and just keep with me you've you've fought you're facing a storm you're tired you're weak you're starting to question him and you you'd admit openly that the voices are more prevalent in your head and it's become harder to turn away 
I feel like this is for you and we spoke about it on Friday night. This is the words of Jesus that came through Dr. Sims as a, uh, Simmons as it went across my screen. He wrote the Passion Translation of the Bible. Hear these words from Jesus. You don't have to strive to hear me or feel my presence. Would you just close your eyes all over this room? I can't do a good Jesus voice. I'll do mine. You don't have to strive to hear me or feel my presence. You aren't required to do anything. No conjuring, no stirring your emotions. No stressing about whether you've heard my voice. All you need to do is believe that I am with you. In other words, all you need to do is have faith. That's it. That's all I require is for you to believe that I am with you. Despite what you see and despite what you feel, just simply let go and exist in this moment with me. Come on, worship team, why don't we just lift that up just for this moment. Someone in here, you've found it hard, fight. You can put your hands down at your side. You just need to believe that He's with you just in this moment, just to allow you just a second. Holy Spirit, would you minister to hearts all over this room? Holy Spirit, all over this room. Father, I thank you for storms that are being faced, that warfare that's been waged, whether it's the devil or it's the natural one. I pray, God, that you would articulate, Lord Jesus, exactly whose voice it is that's coming against us. But Father, you would illuminate your voice in us to overcome the storm that we're currently facing. Father, I thank you that right now, as the word is being spoken, that lightness comes and dark must flee in this room, in circumstances, in lives, in bodies, in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, we just love you. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, teach us more. Father, I just pray that as we go into our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, Father, you would remind us of the testimonies we have in the closet. And Father, you would show us once again a fresh vision that you have for us for the future. You know, just in this room, and with my eyes closed, I just see Josh and Malua. Josh, you stand out. I saw you. I didn't see Malou, but Malou, Josh, I just feel like God's saying that there's, uh, I want to use this word and say it correctly, exponential increase coming upon your lives. And it's not because of anything that you've done. It's because that you understand what it is to live a life full of faith. You live a life taking risks. And I feel like God's saying, I'm going to spoil you just because I can. Uh, I feel God saying that it's actually a generational blessing, something that was poured out on a Moses that's now poured out on a Joshua that's going to be poured out on Caleb. And I just see God, He's blessing you guys so that you can set up and impute something into the generations that will come in your line. It's by no mistake that it's a multicultural uh, ethnicity that has come together because God wants to bless bigger dimensions outside of your realm and reach. I just feel like God's saying that there are eyes watching and ears listening to the very things you're doing. God's sending people to ask questions of the strategies you're using from business to faith to marriage, that He's opening up a platform, a portal, a, a platform for you to actually speak into other young couples' lives. Father, right now, I just thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would bless it, anoint it, and Father, sow it, Lord Jesus. We declare it as though it is in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank You for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace.
moment. Just the voices in here. We've still got, we had 46 seconds. We've got one minute. If you sing in the Spirit, the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, there should be a translation. There should be someone that, 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 that gets up and translates the word that comes. Paul says, I would rather that you prophesy because it's encouragement and edification. But I love praying in tongues and singing in tongues, especially singing in the heavenly language, because essentially what we're doing is we sing in the heavenly language. We're giving worship unto God. We're exalting the praises of who He is. And the Bible says that He inhabits the praises. He's enthroned on the hands raised of Israel. So in this room right now, men, women, and teenagers, if you can, would we just start to begin just to stir our faith? Come on. We're presence, church. Let's just start just, just singing in the Spirit all over this room. Come on, let's just have a Holy Ghost meeting even before we can lay hands on. We just believe that right now. Spirit of God, you're touching families. Father, you're healing bodies in this room. God, as we exalt you as your presence draws near. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are doing things in circumstances. Katie sings, why don't we receive in this moment? Just receive, His presence is here.
getting louder. The presence church, the worship is getting louder. If there's anyone in this room, just real quickly, this morning is about 10 people that have never invited Jesus into their heart or were making a fresh new dedication and they said yes to Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you that as Jesus was speaking about, he died for you. He was beaten, he was broken, he was nailed to a cross. He wore the punishment that we deserved because of the lifestyle and the sin nature that we were born with but he did this so that if we choose to make a declaration with our mouth that we believe in our heart that he is alive and that he is the son of God that in that moment of making that declaration he says you will be saved in other words he's saying it was all worth it I died to bring you back into right relationship with a loving God a father who is your supplier he's actually closer than the very air that you breathe. If you're in this room today and you feel like you're going through a storm or the life, a life full of storms and you've, you've just never invited Jesus into your heart, maybe today you just feel something in this room. It's, I wanna tell you, it's the presence of God. It's the tangibleness of His presence. It's an overflow of the natural love that comes from God that feels so supernatural to us. If you wanna to respond to that this morning and simply invite him into your heart say you're saying i want to say yes to jesus i want to ask you would you just give me a show of hands with everyone in this room with their eyes closed and head bowed down if that's you today you're saying yes for jesus for the first time you want to invite him in you don't want to walk this life alone i'm just looking around anyone in this room don't want to embarrass you but want to give you an opportunity hey that's great that's great Father, right now, I just thank you for our friend down the back, Lord. And I just thank you for every person represented in this room. I see a multi-generational community family here gathered, Lord, to lift up your name. And God, today, as we go out of this place, Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace that it's covered our past and it runs before us and it's running down all over us. God, today I thank you that every day we woke up, your mercy is new and fresh. Jesus, as we go into our Monday and our Tuesday, I thank you for a reminder that regardless of the storm we're facing, that you have a bigger plan and a purpose for us. That the prophecies, the destiny, the language over our lives is that there is better yet to come. Lord, as we go into this week, I thank you for the reminder that you are in us. You are with us, that you are indeed closer than the air that we breathe. Father, I thank you for the reminder that we should assess the languages and the voices that are speaking into our world. And some of us may need to turn away. And God, I thank you that you're reminding us this morning that the private storms we've faced, Lord Jesus, are leading us to public giants that will be slayed. 
Father, all the while remembering that it's you with us that leads us to victory. God, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise this morning as we go out of this place, socially distanced but loving each other more than ever before. Father, I thank you for all that you've done today as you lead us into a safe, blessed week in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we give him a huge shout? Worship team, let's finish up. We'll go out of here. Jesus has